Welcome to Community Matters, a podcast from the Canadian Association of Community Health Centres. I'm your host, Hilary Leblanc. On this episode of the podcast, I am speaking with Hemna Magal, Pandemic Response Coordinator, and Abdul Rashid Attar, Lead Community Health Ambassador at Flemington Community Health Centre in Toronto, Ontario. Flemington Community Health Centre provides comprehensive health services, programs, and support to improve the well-being of all of the communities by working together with individuals, families, communities, and organizations. How are the two of you doing today? We're good. I mean, I should be speaking before. <laughs> Sorry, Abdul, I hope but... you're well as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm good too. Enjoying uh, the warm weather today. Yeah, today's a lovely Toronto day. I, I will admit I'm fairly close to Flemington. Um, it is it is in my neighborhood, so I, we are experiencing the same weather, which is very lovely. Um, I'll start us off. Um, please tell us a little bit more about Flemington, um, where it is located, the programs and services provided, and the communities and population that you serve. Yeah, so Flemington Health Center is a community-based nonprofit organization that provides free healthcare services and community programs to residents living within our catchment area. Um, many of our programs and services are provided in collaboration with local organizations, and we're situated in East Toronto and serve a pretty high-density neighborhood with large immigrant and newcomer populations. And I would just highlight that we define our neighborhood as an equity-deserving uh, community or equity-deserving communities. Uh, we believe that health equity is a human right, yet many communities experience health inequities due to persistent systemic barriers like racism and, and oppression, which negatively impact their health and well-being. So we use the term equity-deserving um, to really reorient our thinking on who has power over health and health equity. And instead of, you know, health systems determining outcomes for communities, um, we believe that communities uh, that have been excluded should be centered in the design of health systems that reflect their aspirations and needs. So that's a pretty holistic uh, way of ex explaining where Flemington Health Center um, um, comes from. Amazing. Awesome. Um, and of course, uh, I, I did mention it in the intro, but we're having uh, this, this conversation as you guys were recipients of the uh, PHAC grant funded, um, the funding through PHAC for the CBP National Project. Um, and over the last three years, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic has presented unforeseen challenges in all sectors and the vulnerable population and the equity deserving ones, as you did say, have been the hardest hit groups. Um, what has been the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic for your community? How have you been able to address it? And how has Flemington Community Health Center navigated providing care and services to your clients during this extremely difficult time? Yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, first, I think I, I should introduce our community a little bit. Uh, yes, sure. with, a with a combined population of around 50,000 plus, Flemington Park and Thorncliffe Park together have more than 70% of the inhabitants from visible minorities. 87% of the population lives in five plus story high rise buildings and 54% have annual income of under 20,000. The area had also witnessed an increase in gun violence, especially involving youth prior to pandemic. What the pandemic showed us clearly is that neighborhoods with these markers and symptoms of systemic oppression had much higher rates of infection from COVID-19. 
So misinformation and disinformation was rampant because of the language barriers. People were not wearing masks and quarantining uh, because uh, of the risk, uh, because the sick was not uh, for the sick, because uh, the large family sizes are living in, in small apartments uh, due to uh, for, uh, uh, lack of affordability. Therefore, the challenges were enormous and multi-pronged approach was required to tackle them. Our community organizations like Flemington Health Center, TNO, and Afghan Women's Organization, these are the three major uh, active organizations in this neighborhood. They were quick to realize uh, the, the uh, challenges ahead and joined hands to alleviate pain and suffering and provide relief and help in many areas like dissemination of information in various languages and connecting the needy with related resources. This included distribution of PPEs, food, mental health related supports, helping to book vaccine appointments, helping with transport, organizing information sessions, lending smartphones and tablets to those digitally disconnected, providing emotional support, vaccinating homebound at their doorsteps, bringing pop-up clinics to the high-rise buildings, helping with groceries, teaching how to use smartphones and tablets, conducting online exercise, yoga, and mindful sessions, and the list goes on and on. The community agencies stepped up and engaged individuals with lived experience in the community as community health ambassadors. So vast majority of CHAs represented various ethnicities represented in our communities and were well-known and trusted as volunteers and community leaders. CHAs leveraged their connections to run phenomenally successful outreach campaigns. Uh, over to Hamna. Oh, Hamna. <laughs> Sorry about that, of course. I, I hope you can hear the construction here. That's no idea. worries. You know what? It, would, it wouldn't be a podcast about COVID if someone wasn't still on mute, because um, that has not changed throughout the three years. This Go never happened. Um, yeah, I think that, um, um, you know, Abdul Sir here has really um, um, deeply articulated um, the various ways we have um, supported uh, community members, equity deserving communities in um, the pandemic. One thing I really want to highlight is that um, in terms of living in a densely populated neighborhood uh, with racialized and low income populations, we know that COVID um, um, did not hit everybody or impact everybody equally. So the disproportionate, uh, disproportionate populations uh, were facing a more exacerbated underlying crisis that got intensified in the pandemic. So uh, we really needed to employ having a social determinant of health approach, uh, making sure that it's not just about like, hey, just get your COVID shot, but where are you gonna be getting grocery support or mental health support and other sort of key facets of uh, social determinants of health. And a lot of our work has been about sort of balancing 
focusing on primary care and health needs, and, and then also uh, chronic health issues like cancer uh, and such that were sidelined due to the pandemic. So I would say like through the support of like the CBZ project, uh, it, we've been able to make sure the community health ambassadors are grounded in not just doing COVID vaccine work, but being able to employ that social determinant of health approach. Um, and that would be like one of the best practices uh, that we've utilized um, in making sure our clients are getting the services that they need. Absolutely. That wraparound care is extremely important, especially when so many places were shutting down and there was this very unfortunate domino effect. And as you know, because of the podcast, I've heard the story. It, it, it was, you know, nationwide and it was very difficult. So kudos to making sure, you know, you had that wraparound care for all of your, your clients and the people in need. Um, and you did tease a little bit my next question about being a recipient of the CBP National PHAC funded project. Can you tell us a little bit in some more detail about the various projects and goals um, include in the activities and programs carried out and resources created all I will say Abdul listed so many things that you were able to accomplish and I'm, I know not all of them might have been PHAC caused but I'm excited to hear anything else you'd like to share yeah but there's been a significant um impact of like having the CBP national project supporting us I, I would say much like how we've joined forces with other community organizations we've received funding from few areas but uh specifically the CBP national program uh was able to really help us support the CHA program at its core um so the community members um can get as much possible support as they need um, I would say the project has mainly centered around, uh, as I said, the health ambassadors, which we call CHAs. So if you find me saying like the term CHAs um, is just an acronym for the community health ambassadors. It's just something like people in the community are just very easy, easily able to pick up. So um, I would say the CHAs are um, able to continually provide support to community members and provide feedback on the changing and arising issues, as I was mentioning earlier, in terms of not just COVID related, but other chronic health and mental health needs. So we've had training sessions uh, and um, that, that have been ongoing and will continue uh, to better support the community based on the identified needs and gaps. For example, um, CHAs were reporting that more community members were identifying mental health uh, issues. So we started providing uh, CHAs uh, with training on like mental health first aid and how do you have a cultural competent lens in like being able to talk about mental health and wellness with community members. And I would say anecdotally, uh, the impact has been tremendous. We are developing a database um, so that we can collect more data to be able to better assess the impact in more of a quantitative way. We know that when CHAs are better equipped to support the community, uh, there is a greater impact. And we saw this in the early stages uh, of the pandemic when um, at first our communities were showing very low vaccine rates, uh, but with greater activation as um, uh, Abdul was touching on earlier, uh, with a greater activation of CHAs, those numbers uh, improved dramatically. And lastly, I would say, as for resources, um, uh, resources are updated and provided to CHA so they can be aware of them and provide them to community members to increase their access to care and available supports. And many of our CHAs are really well equipped to use our service database created by East Toronto Health Partners, which I'll kind of talk about later as well. Um, they've been very supportive in, in uh, helping us serve the community. So in addition, we're working with uh, with them to equip CHAs with tablets and paper resources so they can better support clients. Uh, without that, the interactions would have felt um, empty. Um, so yeah, the CHAs have been uh, trained to support clients in accessing 
certain cancer screenings, uh, like even as far as getting referrals um, and, and such. And uh, we, we host um, multiple community health and wellness fairs uh, where clients can actually just come to uh, an accessible site in their neighborhood, either a school um, or, uh, or a gym or a community center where you know there are certain screening tests and vaccinations that are available on the spot. Um, so really making sure um, you know we're, we're actually there for the community and we're, in, we're making sure that they're, we're overcoming the accessibility needs. Wonderful. Um, that's such good work. And I'm so glad that we could be a part of all of that. Um, include, in terms of milestones and achievements, including obviously the uptake of, of vaccines that you were able to, to reach, um, what, uh, what were you able to have achieved and what lessons were learned during the project um, throughout its time? Uh, Flemington Park was one of the neighborhoods in Toronto with very high infection rates. Uh, people also find, found it difficult to comply with the public health guidelines due to overcrowded elevators in the high-rise buildings and language barriers impeding access to the guidelines. We translated information flyers and produced video messages in various languages and shared the same over social media platforms as well as distributed door-to-door. -door. Dry and fresh food packages were distributed to those in need along with PPEs and information brochures. Virtual sessions were held in different languages to combat misinformation and address any concerns or questions. Once the vaccine was were, uh, available, we reached out to the community members and not only answered their questions about the safety and efficacy of the vaccines, but also helped them book appointments and arranged pop-up clinics in the residential buildings shopping plazas, libraries, and other places frequented by them. For seniors living in the seniors' buildings and for the homebound community members, we partnered with MGH and uh, TNO uh, in order to vaccinate them in the comfort of their homes. We distributed Presto cards and gift vouchers to facilitate accessibility. We maintained regular contacts with condo and rental building managers, which helped us in organizing pop-up clinics in 47 buildings in the Flemington Park area only, where more than 1,400 uh, residents got shots in their arms in the lobbies of their buildings. We also distributed more than 11,000 RA tickets door-to-door in these buildings and at public places. Wonderful. Um, I'm curious, I, I know because I'm here that MGH is Michael Garrett Hospital, but the other acronym for anyone listening who might be around the country who doesn't know what it is, you say TNO? Mm -hmm. Yes, what does that stand for? That's the, that's the neighborhood organization. Um, right. And they're located right here at Thorncliffe, and, um, not too far from us. And they have lots of other sites as well. Okay. And they've been a great help. Perfect. I was going to say, I know Michael Garen of Wi-Fi. It's around the corner. <laughs> I was like, oh, and I know. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I mean, it used to be East General, so now we've like all caught on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, have you and your team experienced any challenges or barriers to the vaccine promotion uptake in your community? And how have you managed those challenges? Yeah, um, I would say we definitely had to contend with vaccine hesitancy in the community. 
But rather than seeing it as a challenge, we saw it as an opportunity to develop trust and deepen our ties with community members. We are cognizant of historical context that creates you know, fear and distrust, hence when approaching healthcare, it is really important uh, that we're deeply mindful of the history of colonization and oppression community, communities have experienced at an institutional level specifically. So I would say community members have, um, you know, not always felt supported due to systemic barriers. So at Flemington Health Center, we approach healthcare with an anti-oppressive and anti-racist framework, which really has allowed us to foster healthy relationships and create safe spaces that are grounded in a holistic approach and really center the need of community members. For an example, we have a significant Roma population. Uh, we know it's not enough for a doctor or someone administering a vaccine vaccination to encourage uh, them to take the shot. Hence, we have community health ambassadors with lived experiences from the community, establishing relationships that really allow the gaps to be bridged. Um, moreover, I would say that we've also equipped CHAs uh, with training um, on like cultural competency to ensure that anti-oppressive uh, framework that we're talking about isn't just you know jargon or theory, but it's practice as a best practice daily. So um, it's really um, as you know, um, uh, Abdul, who's been like a lead CHA um, at FHC, with, um, um, has seen the different ebbs and flows, and he was mentioning uh, in terms of having a high success rate uh, with. Um, um, you know, being able to manage these challenges, it's because we we further deepened um, our, our ties in the community that really allowed us to manage those challenges. Um, I, I would say like we're in a, in a pretty good place with some of the community members that, um, you know, initially had vaccine hesitancy. We have like more community programs that are serving them. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a challenge that's over, been overcome, uh, but the work continues and, and there's lots of other leaps to be made. The work always continues. <laughs> Um, you, you did tease this as well, but did your project involve any partnerships or collaborations? And please describe if so, and I believe there were. And uh, what relationships, if ever, were you able to leverage to ensure that your, your project was successful? Yeah, so uh, East Toronto Health Partners, um, and the acronym which we usually use is ETHP, is an Ontario health team that's serving East Toronto specifically. And they're a group of over like 100 health, social and community service providers and organizations, as well as community members who work together to improve the way people find and get care in East Toronto. And they've been extremely supportive in uh, you know, providing vaccine uptake. So ETHB um, helps with having vaccine clinics or nurses um, and resources available for client, uh, clients. Um, and I would say even stuff like housing, employment, mental health, uh, ETHB has been key in, in, in being able to show up when needed. Um, specifically, I would say um, uh, the mental health and the cancer screening piece along with COVID um, has been really helpful for our health and wellness fairs that we do quite, um, you know, on a constant basis to ensure that um, services are reaching community members and ETHP and all the connections that they have, the resources really help us um, like ensure a successful delivery of our project. Awesome. Um, and of course, the, the entire time we've had Abdul here, who is a community health ambassador, um, and I would love to hear a lot more about the work of the community health ambassadors, um, what specific challenges and successes came with having them um, elaborated, because I know you've already touched a little bit on that amazing work. Uh, involving peer ambassadors and community connectors 
brought a sea change in our outreach model and played a pivotal role in the success of vaccine engagement strategy. It helped us gain the trust of the community and in overcoming language and accessibility barriers. Community health ambassadors' knowledge of the community and their relationship as community leaders proved to be a great asset. The challenges faced by us were enormous. The biggest challenge in my view has been the widespread misinformation about COVID-19 and apprehensions about the safety and efficacy of the vaccines. The second biggest challenge was the high number of people in our community who were in dire need of help due to issues like loss of job or, or loss of a loved one, food insecurity, anxiety and depression, and lack of access to the related resources due to language barriers. I have already mentioned how we stepped up to address these challenges. There are many success stories to share. I will share just one due to time constraints that stands out. In December 2020, I received a call from a lady who had lost her husband and her son just in the span of six months. Uh, her husband, uh, he had cancer and uh, he died because of that and his son uh, met an accident and lost his life. This lady was traumatized and crying all the time. She was prescribed antidepressants by her family doctor, which she had discontinued after three months because she said it wasn't working. Uh, I have had conversations with this lady about two dozen times over a period of six months. I was able to connect her with an agency for groceries, connected her with another agency for culturally appropriate mental health support, and convinced her to see her family doctor again so as to get a prescription if needed. By July 2021, she was regularly taking medicines prescribed by her doctor. She also got COVID-19 vaccine, which she was previously refusing because she said, I, I, I have lost my purpose of life. I don't want to live anymore. And she had started taking better care of her sons. She was now back to some sort of normal life and appeared to have accepted the reality of moving on in life despite the death of her husband and son. So this was just one such story. There are so many. And uh, believe me, during these times, uh, we uh, community health ambassadors, after listening to so many sad episodes and stories, we ourselves were feeling not only the burnout, but also the, a sort of uh, mental state where we thought that uh, we uh, needed some sort of advice in order to overcome uh, such state of affairs. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that story. That's um, a, a very 
poignant way to say the weight of of the work that you're doing as well as the weight of what the realities during COVID because it wasn't just people losing their family members due to COVID. It was the reality of the world going on throughout a pandemic happening at the same time and how all of those um, unfortunate circumstances seem to intersect in such very awful ways for so many different people. Um, what a, a touching story, but I, I mean, a, a nice enough result in the end that, you know, community health ambassadors were able to pull through and that you were able to, you know, give her the resources and help that she needed. And um, I really commend your work, which I already was doing anyway, but that story really, you know, hits at home. Um, yeah, it's really, I was, I'm sorry, I was just going to add to that. Um, no, I'm sorry. Um, I think that um, one of the things that we're learning through the community health ambassador work is that it shouldn't just be seen or experienced. Any sort of peer health model shouldn't just be um, time limited to COVID. Um, and we can really see there's a crisis in healthcare. And having a model of like peer health ambassadors, community health ambassadors, really um, allows you to successfully intervene in the community around health needs and any sort of social determinant of health needs. Um, and the model that we um, like to call the community health ambassador work is by the community and for the community, uh, which really allows us to successfully meet our goals. And uh, I would say that it, it, another thing is we, we're meeting people where they're at, right? So it's, it's ensuring that if there's inaccessibilities um, to, you know, not even having um, a health card or, or having a language barrier or, or having some level of distress or, 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 or not certainty around navigating uh, the health system. Um, meeting people where they're at really allows you to put the framework of nothing without us. Um, nothing about us without us. And uh, I would say that uh, these are like the key engagement community principles that really drive the CHA work while obviously it's not innovative and, uh, and such, but it's uh, often forgotten. Uh, and, and the void between people and the care that they need is often quite deep or vast. And I think that the program uh, quite simply builds the bridge between the two. So it might not be like another not so novel approach, uh, but but it's really about just also working together. And it sounds simple, but creating partnerships like we have ETHP, we were mentioning TNO, like allowing um, that cohesion to exist. So resources are widespread and they're not um, limited, um, you know, and, and like really making sure like um, we're able to reach the community um, and everyone benefits from that collective energy and effort. Uh, and and yeah, so I, I would say that what we're really hoping um, is we can continue the legacy of the community health ambassador work beyond the pandemic. Uh, there's obviously a lot of barriers which are related to uh, funding, um, but um, just really finding a way to concretize this work so um, CHAs can be grounded in the community. Absolutely. I've heard it's several other CHCs that have used, you know, community health ambassadors, peer ambassadors um, that want to be able to keep that because it is a type of connection that while simple, it is doing so much of the work is you sometimes just need another person to to validate your choices and hear you and and be relatable. And that is really, really huge in this type of work. Um, with new variants and the approval of booster doses, what effects have these had on the work that your center has been carrying out, as well as how the CDP National Project was working for you? Um, and in other words, how have you been able to adapt through all of the variants and to where we are now? Mm -hmm. 
I think I, I'll speak to a little bit uh, on this, and then if if you'd like to add something as well, um, I I would say that um, because there's been like so many different like phases of like going through one stage to the other, it's about uh, having agility uh, as an organization, and then maintaining partnerships with with various partners that we do have that allows us to be very quick on our feet and mobile to to actually go out in the community and get that information out there. And because we have the CHA help model that allows us to further leverage the trust that we've created with the community that yes, you know, about two months ago, we were really hoping that COVID is over, but it's not. And uh, we um, we need to take a different approach and it's all in the well-being. It's all for the well-being of the community as a whole. And I think that with the changing nature of the pandemic, uh, with different variants uh, um you know arising uh it's 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 been helpful to to have that deepened connection that allows us to uh make sure that once the, the, the doses are out the booster doses are out the community is um um has a way to get get to them one of the things and i think maybe um uh, abdul here can can uh, expand on is uh we had like um a large uh uh, COVID vaccine events where like we had buses hired, uh, like TTC routes created, uh, making sure that like, um, you know, people are getting TTC tokens. So uh, that sort of gap that that might prevent people in, in, in coming out does does not exist. Um, and, and then like just constantly uh, having an ear and eyes to the ground to be able to be agile, to adapt to the ongoing um, as I said, the ebbs and flows of, of the pandemic. But I'm not sure if, if there's anything else. I'm sure I probably missed all the great work that, that's happened in the past, feels like, what, three and a half years? <laughs> three years? <laughs> yes, it has been. Yeah, I'm told you if there's anything you would like to add about how, you know, the adapting throughout the last three years has gone. Yeah, I think uh, two positives that... Uh, we got from this COVID are, first of all, uh, the collaboration among the various agencies, as Hamna has rightly said. Uh, even prior to COVID, uh, our community organizations, they were doing a wonderful job. But uh, there, uh, I think uh, there was not the sort of coordination or collaboration that we have seen during pandemic. Uh, because of that, you know, uh, I don't think uh, it, uh, we were using the uh, resources very efficiently as we did during the COVID. Uh, so the organizations, they stepped out of, of, uh, of their, uh, uh, you know, own uh, organization's goals and, and, you know, they joined hands uh, together. They also started doing work which they were, uh, which was not within their mandate. Like, for instance, uh, they started distribution of food, uh, uh, like FHC, uh, Flemington Health Center had, uh, I, I don't think had done it before, but because of the uh, uh, large number of uh, food uh, insecure people uh, looking at their needs, uh, so uh, FHC stepped out and started doing that. And the second one is, engaging the CHAs as we have already dwelled upon that earlier. Uh, also, Hamna was speaking about a large event. It was Vax the East event. Uh, 
uh, the campaign was launched uh, in our area on two different days at uh, uh, the Ontario Science Center and Thorncliffe Park Hub. Uh, and as Hamna said, transport was provided, special buses were deployed by the TTC in order to transport, uh, transport people. Uh, we had a campaign uh, of outreach. Uh, so we almost went to every building with the flyers and with the information sessions. It was a great uh, event and uh, we were able to uh, get uh, literally thousands of people vaccinated during these two days. Uh, there were some giveaways also in order to uh, attract more people, uh, like free passes of uh, Ontario Science Center, they were distributed uh, among all those who got vaccinated. Amazing. That's, that's such great work and so many people in such a short period of time. That's so, so crucial and so important. Um, I, and I know um, all of our whole discussion has centered around this next question, but in just a more blunt way, how has the funding through the CDP National Project helped your center and the community that uh, Flemington serves? Yeah, I would say that all of the investments in the CHA program have really allowed us to um, scale and respond in significant ways. The CHA has provided and continued to provide a really crucial gateway for community members to access uh, the supports they need and in sharing vital information with organizations like ours and other services, other service providers uh, with what is happening on the ground and what is needed and how it needs to be delivered. Um, and I think that um, as um, um, you know, we were mentioning earlier in terms of being able to be agile to community health needs, uh, having uh, funding such as the CBP National Project. Um, it allows you to sort of widen your scope of, well, there is um, funding for vaccine work, but in order for us to really uh, ensure there is that vaccine hesitancy removed in the community, what do you need to do to support the community so you can actually enter in a relationship with them and um you know we've had clients who have struggled with um um you know get get getting covid and like losing income or like uh, not being able to safely isolate so making sure that like um, the investment that we're doing in the CHA program is not just one of like, it's very simple, like outreach, hi, like get your shot. It's, it's, it's like relationship building and, um, you get invested and, and that's why like, it, it's been very crucial to connect them to resources around like a grocery gift card program, which we have been able to, uh, run in the past. Um, and as, as, you know, Abdul Sir was mentioning around like, um, food insecurity needs through like a food bank, but making sure that like people actually are able to safely isolate and then getting, uh, like keeping in connection, uh, connection with them and, and making sure they can then come out to get their COVID shot and answering all sorts of different questions, um, uh, has really allowed us to deepen, uh, like getting that form of funding has really allowed us to deepen the investment. Um, so the legacy can continue building on. Wonderful. Um, and what do you think your experiences throughout the pandemic say about the ability of community health centers as a whole to adapt to emerging social and public health issues and the importance of CHCs within our health and social service systems? 
Mm, sorry, could you repeat that question again? Absolutely. What do you think your experiences about the pandemic say about the ability of community health centers to adapt to emerging social and public health issues and the importance of community health centers within our health and social service systems? Yeah, I would say the community uh, health ambassador model has been a phenomenal success and must be continued in the priority neighborhoods to address wider issues uh, around social determinants of health. And we do plan on continuing the CHA program for as long as we uh, can have it supported. And we have found that with, um, you know, some new training and shifting of resources that the model works for quite a different range of needs uh, from COVID-19 to cancer screening. And we really um, hope to continue advocating for the ongoing supportive CHA work. And I think that um, community um, health centers um, are, are have been actually like FHC or just like even other community health ambassadors, uh, oh, sorry, community health centers that I've seen uh, respond to um, the ongoing uh, public health needs. Um, they have been uh, extremely grounded in, in understanding that there is a plethora of needs that communities have and, um, and you need to be able to uh, make sure that all those bases are covered. So you're not just having, you know, um, like a one track mind approach. Uh, which can sometimes deter people. And, I, and as I was talking earlier about particular communities not um, um, responding to vaccine uptake also comes from um, having a very um, rigid approach um, to healthcare. And I think that the innovation uh, that community health centers employ by having uh, an anti-oppressive framework re uh, and, and being grounded in community health needs such as like providing free services to people who may not have, um, you know, um, any sort of um, like citizenship and, 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 and or, or language barriers, it really allows those barriers to be bridged. And I think that um, uh, the pandemic, although it has had um, a lot of negative impacts and it's been an ongoing struggle and uh, a lot of us are still recovering out of it in terms of health or, or housing needs or employment needs and such. But that being said, I think it's really emphasized the importance of um, like having a collective approach um, and, and looking out for our neighbors and looking out for um, each other in a way that allows us to put our health and our needs first. Um, and uh, I think that um, it's been a good reminder of what's, what needs to be prioritized as a society. And I think that CHCs have been, um, have been um, very constructive in, in, in sort of uh, carving that path. CHCs and CHAs, you were right in both instances. They both <laughs> were very imperative throughout the whole thing. But of course, you know, the community health centers really stepped up when they needed to throughout the pandemic. And it's always great to hear the stories from all of our community health center members um, about how, you know, they were able to step up during the pandemic. Um, Hamna Abdul, I want to thank you both so much for taking the time to speak with me today. It's a wonderful conversation. Um, and I will just ask my very last question, which is if anyone listening would like to learn more about Flemington Community Health Center, where would they look? All right, so you can go to fhc-chc.com and that's our website. It has plenty of resources available um, from learning about how we do primary healthcare work, uh, how do you become a client, uh, lots of health promotion services that we have available. So you can attend, you know, our various uh, programming. We have a diabetes program, we, we do seniors programming, we have 
um, community health and wellness fairs coming up. And then there's lots of other information about our partners, specifically the East Toronto Health Partners that I spoke about. And they're going to be able to provide you with a list of resources around housing, employment, mental health, and, and such. So um, yeah, it's, it's quite a resourceful um, website. And I encourage people uh, to check it out. Awesome. Perfect. Again, I want to thank you both so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. It was thank you. lovely to see you. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I just want to thank you, um, specific, you specifically in the CVP project for being able to support us and then highlighting all the work that we've done. I think that the this work would obviously wouldn't be possible without all the support that we get from our funders uh, and partners. So um, yeah, we, we deeply appreciate uh, appreciate it, and we look forward to more future endeavors together. I mean, I will take that. Thanks. Even though I really had very, very minimal. I just tell all the lovely stories. You're, you are getting all the message out there. <laughs> I will, I will receive. And it, you know, it was uh, on behalf of catch, at least it was our pleasure to be able to, you know, help uh, encourage community and safety in this way for the, you know, the past couple of years, it's weird having this project sort of come to an end, but uh, no, thank you. And thank you again for uh, coming on and having this conversation. Thank you for listening to Community Matters, a podcast from the Canadian Association of Community Health Centres. To learn more about our association and the important work of community health centres across Canada, go to www.cachc.ca.